0: you're here today. So much has happened and is going to happen today that you would have missed if you weren't here. But you're not going to miss anything that God has for you because you're here to receive from the Lord today and he is here to give. This is going to be a time of great, powerful blessing. I said I would preach you this morning on attacking faith. And that can be taken more than one way. It could appear that we're going to attack someone else or it could appear that somebody's going to attack us. But I want to give you an approach to faith today that I think is a little bit different from any that I have dwelt on before. And I believe that God has shared it with me and helped me with it so that I can bring it to you. The last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Love. Love is not hard to define because 1 Corinthians 13 tells you exactly what it is and shows you all the attributes of it so you can identify it, declares its value and its supremacy. Hope is not hard to define. It's our constant, settled, deep-seated, eternal assurance that God's Word is true and if we trust Him, we will with Him forever. Our hope in Jesus Christ. But when it comes to faith, there may be a few stumbling blocks. I confess to you that for me, faith is more difficult to define, more difficult to experience, to practice, and to consistently use than either love or hope. It is much more complicated than either of the others. But it is clear in the Bible that our hope in God rests in faith, that without faith it is impossible to please Him. And unless we have faith, we cannot serve Him effectively or victoriously. And so we need to understand every approach, every facet, Every element of faith so that we can successfully and victoriously serve God, not only here, but be translated into the future world that he's prepared for us. And so I have several different approaches to come at faith today, but all of them come down to this one particular point, I believe. That is, that our faith is forward-moving It is progressive. It is victorious because we don't sit back and wait for the enemy to attack us. We proactively take it in his ability and his attempts to denigrate us, to debilitate us, and to destroy us. And we take that carefully under advisement in the tone and the area of faith. And we move against him in faith before he can attack us and do damage to us. That's the approach I share with you today. You know, if you you thought of your faith as like driving a car, I would say to you that you ought to be driving a car that has no reverse gear in it. You ought to be driving a car that doesn't have a steering wheel that'll turn it all the way around. You ought to be driving one that goes straight forward, got a powerful motor in it, It'll pass anything on the road and get you to your destination without fail, without accident, without harm, without danger, and bring you safely to the end of your destination where you will arrive victoriously. Faith goes a long ways back in the teaching of the Lord Jesus. He spoke a lot about faith. And one of the times that he talked about faith, he didn't call that word talked about the confidence and trust that we have in the power and the promise of God. And that's what faith is. Having confidence and assurance in the promise and the power of God. There was a time when he was asking his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? And they came up with all kinds of names. They say you're Jeremiah. They say you're Elijah. Some say you're Moses. But who do you say I am? That's what's important. Jesus addressed it to his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter answered. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was a powerful statement. It was beyond what Peter knew. It wasn't something he knew that he had become convinced of because Jesus said, Simon, faith and flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But the Spirit of my Father, my Father who is in heaven, has revealed it to you. In other words, he received that message by faith from the Spirit of God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, it's a powerful truth. This is what I wanted to confess. And by this faithful statement, this faithful statement of truth revealed by the Spirit of God, upon this confession of faith, I will build my church. But then he said, and. The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. That's not a defensive position, my friends. That doesn't mean we've got settled behind the gates and closed and locked the gates and have a lock that'll keep Satan out. That means that the gates of hell cannot stand against us when we charge against it in the power of the Holy Spirit and say we are the victors over everything that the hell and the devil has to proclaim and bring against us. The gates of hell cannot stop the church of Jesus Christ. And the only way we march forward is by faith in his power, trusting and depending on him, and putting our faith totally and completely in him. We used to sing a song, maybe some of you might remember, do you remember that old song, Hold the Fork? Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still, and by our faith we answer. By your grace we will. And then another part of it goes on to say that it's a terrible time. Mighty men around us falling. We're all about to give up. We're holding on by our fingernails just about to slip away and fall away. But we're holding on, waiting for you to come and rescue us, Lord. I don't believe that's the picture of his church. I don't believe that's the picture of his church. I believe the devil better be trying to hold the fort against us. He better be trying to build some gates that'll keep us out, not out of hell. We don't want to go into hell, but we want to overcome the authority of hell. We want to overcome the man who's in charge of hell. We want to overcome, and we will by faith in him. Hallelujah. We will. So we don't want to hold the fort. We want to charge the fort of the enemy. Now, I waited till now. All right, lift your sword. Because I'm going to talk to you about this sword right now in just just a couple of minutes. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 says that there is a sword in the armor of God which is available to his people, which is the shield, not a sword, there's a shield of faith. In 16 it says a shield of faith, in 17 it says a sword of the spirit. Now the shield of faith, the Bible tells us that Paul wrote, is there for us to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We're to be able to hold that shield and dispense what the enemy sends against us with utter defeat. Throw it down that shield is to defeat it all. That's our faith. But then, that looks like a defensive position. And I just should say to you that our faith ought to be marching forward. And that's what comes next. In the 17th verse he says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And with that shield of faith, knowing that the enemy cannot get through to us, knowing that the enemy cannot destroy us, knowing that the enemy cannot annihilate us, knowing that he cannot thwart God's purpose because we've got a shield that holds back the attack of the enemy. While we use the sword to come against him and attack him until we bring him into defeat, into destruction, into utter and absolute subjection to the plan of God, of the will of God, and the name of Jesus Christ. That's the answer. We're walking in faith. Walk in faith. Protected by faith while we wield the sword of the Spirit in victory to overcome, to win every battle, to bring destruction upon the enemy. He's not going to destroy us. We're going to be a part of God's weapons to destroy him. That's attacking faith. That's moving forward in faith and letting God do mighty and powerful things. There's an ultimate power in our faith. There's, the Bible says that. That our faith is a great victory. You ever feel like your faith is just... You're trying to find out where to place it, and it's, it's, it, it, you're just struggling, struggling, and feeling weak? Well, I want to give you the answer from the Bible for that. The Bible says that our faith is the victory. Our faith gives us the victory. And in that victory... In that victory, we have the power that overcomes the world. Faith. That is faith. Faith is that victory that overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Now, if your faith can overcome the world, it can overcome all things. And the Bible says it can. And this is what it means. It doesn't mean that you're going to go out and cause the world to crack up and and and, and and the earth would be annihilated and float off into the netherworld. It, it, it means that you and I can overcome, As Jesus prayed that we would in John chapter 17. We can overcome the world in our lives. We are not of this world. We live in this world, but we're not of this world, Jesus said. He's called us out from that, and he's established us in that place of living apart from the world and victoriously over the world. By our faith that he has planted within us. So you are great enough in your faith to overcome the world. What is it about overcoming the world? The Bible says that, the, that, that, that the, the world passes away and the lust thereof. But the one who does the will of God, who stands firm in the plan of God, holds on to his faith in God, will endure forever. And that's faith for us. So here's the victory that, that overcomes the world. This is the victory... That our faith brings us in. It helps us to overcome, enables us, I should say. It enables us to overcome the philosophy of the world. There's a philosophy of the world by which you do not want to live. That which propagates the message of the world. That God is secondary. That all we need to do is to work toward diversity. And show tolerance. Never say anything that could be detrimental to you. Even if you have to, you're have trying to speak the truth, don't say it if it might hurt somebody's feelings. That's the philosophy of the world. And that philosophy of the world is gaining traction every day. Canada just passed a law. I read, I'm not going to say that I think this is true. But I did read it on the internet, but I read it in a source that I think might be true. I believe it is true. I don't trust much I read on the internet, and neither should you. But I think this is true, that Canada passed a law that people cannot say uh, it is a law that specifically names Islamophobia. They can't say anything that might tend to denigrate or even make people think that it's negative about Islam. Now... Canada is supposed to be a country of free speech as well as the United States and so is the UK supposed to be a place of freedom of speech it may not be as much so as the United States is but but, it, but certainly both of them have that tradition. And I'm going to tell you this there's a move in this country today that's going to tr- that is trying to make it possible for us to not be able to say anything that might even be construed as negative that might even be possibly, bruising to the tender feelings of those who are in the homosexual community and the bisexual community and the transsexual community and, and, and all of that. We're not up here ever, ever to say anything to try to harm anybody. That's never our purpose. But we have to tell the truth about what righteousness is by the Word of God. And that either it is there, either the Word of God is right or it's not right, and I'm going to stand on the belief that it is right because I'm convinced with all these years that it is. So the philosophy of the world wants to overcome us. You look at some of your friends who you thought were dedicated, sold-out Christians on Facebook. I'm assuming this. I don't know this to be true. But you will tell me if it's not true. You read about people you know on Facebook. I never would have thought they believed that. Oh, well, I didn't think they would go to that rally for the homosexuals. And wear their colors. And I'm I'm saying this not because of pulling out of the air. I'm saying this because some people have told me this very thing I'm saying to you. I never thought that so-and-so would be a part of that. I'm not suggesting to you that we do anything to harm anybody. That's never the purpose of the gospel. But we do have to say what is right and when there's a standard that's between right and wrong and we know what's right we've got to take a stand on that right and sometimes it takes faith to do that you've got to have faith that you're right not that you're right, it isn't important that you're right it isn't important that I'm right it isn't important that this church has the right stand on the right doctrine what's important is the word of God has certain things to say that we cannot deny and we've got to hold them up and we've got to believe them and we've got to proclaim them if we're going to be faithful to God We've got to say it if we're going to be faithful to God. And so the philosophy of the world wants to overcome us. But we can overcome the philosophy of the world by faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even your faith is what John wrote. So then the politics of this world really want to destroy us. The politics of the world wants to destroy your mind so that you believe the things that the That the craziest people in the United States of America are saying that those things are right. Because that's what gets traction in the newspapers. I'm trying to find out how to get rid of the news feed that comes in on my iPad. I'm trying to find out how to get rid of that little thing that comes up when I go to the Internet uh, trying to research something no matter what I'm trying to search. I've got a whole big bunch of pictures and stories on there. And almost every one of them, I'd say 99%, if it's a story about the news, sometimes it's just something about stupidity. But it's, if it's about the news, it's always from the side that I'm not on. It's always, so why do I want that on my computer or on my iPad or on my iPhone or anything else? I'm not a part of the politics of this world. I want to be a part of the politics of glory, and that is that Jesus Christ is King and Lord, that Jesus Christ is coming again, that he is the victor in all things, and his name is above every name. Hallelujah. Not the politics of the world, because the news, I got, I'm still talking about faith now, because faith helps you overcome what I'm talking about right now. I'm debating myself here for a moment, but self-wins. This is what it is. Uh, <laughs> I, was re- I was reading an article. I don't know how I came upon it. It was about a three- or four-page article. I confess you, I didn't read it. Three or four pages of the newspaper is a pretty long article to have to read. But the man who used to be run somewhere in the Times Union, Florida Times Union in Jacksonville, wrote a long, long argument that all of their... Newspaper is fair and balanced. I hear the laughter. I laughed myself when I read it. And I confess, as I said, I didn't read all of it, but I read enough. And then they ask everybody to write their letters in about what they thought about it. And, and, And I will tell you what I said I thought about it. I said I thought that it may be true that all of the reporters strive to be fair. It may be. I would not say that they, they have agendas at trying to promote something else. I do think that when they write local articles, now I don't read this all the time, so I could be missing a lot of it, but when they write local articles, they do a good job. But when they, but, but most of what they publish, that I see in national sources come from the Associated Press. And the Associated Press is about as biased and liberal as any organization can ever become. They're almost as bad as CNN, getting close to being as bad as ABC, NBC, and CBS. And, 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 and so the Associated Press, to me, has no credibility whatsoever. Because when I read it, I see that it is a biased report. Now, it's okay to read it knowing if you know it's biased, and when you read it, you know it's biased, and most of this is being slanted one way to make you believe it a different way. Even when they're saying something as a fact, they say they put some uh, something to it that, 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 that modifies it and makes some changes. It. So it may not be truly this way, but even though he said this, this is what really it was. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, con, it's a contact that the world wants with you through its philosophy, which involves its politics, and the politics of the world wants to bring you down. The news and the fake news and the culture of the world. If you're caught up in the culture of the world, my friend, you need to make a change in your life and start walking the walk of faith as a child of God with a testimony to reach people that you see in this world with the message of Jesus Christ as a testimony. So here's the ultimate ultimate power of our faith. The ultimate power of our faith. We are, the Bible says, more than conquerors. Uh, by the grace of God, by the love of Jesus Christ, by love, by hope, yes, and by faith. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Romans 8:37. And then that verse also says that as conquerors, we have overcome everything leading up to now and the things past in. Listen to what the 8th chapter of Romans says, where in the 37th verse it declares we're more than conquerors. This is what it says. My tablet likes to move itself. It's kind of like a lot of people. It just likes to go its own way and do its own way. But here it is. So, as more than conquerors, what what is going to overcome us? What is going to defeat us? This is what Paul says. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, shall any of that conquer us? No, he says. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I'm sure he went on to say, Being more than conquerors that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And how do we hold on to that? We hold on to that by aggressive, determined, established faith. That Jesus Christ will do what he said he'll do. That he will bring us out victorious in every circumstance, in every situation. And give us the victory over all things that the enemy wants to bring to us to bring our lives down into defeat and into destruction. Jesus Christ will lift us up. Above the world, above the philosophy of the world, above the politics of the world, because his word is greater than anything that the enemy has to say. His promises stand and stand forever. Hallelujah. So the faith, the faith, the faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, the entire world that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now that's what God says. That's what God says. Our faith overcomes the world. We're more than conquerors. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, and He's given us faith. That's what God's Word says. So what are we going to do with it? We're going to use our faith to put our confidence totally in Him. By faith, even when our eyes tell us one thing, faith is going to see another. If our eyes tell us that the darkness is here, our eyes, by faith, are going to allow us to see the light. If the enemy has got hold of us and we feel like we're caught, thrown, tossed to and about, we're going to put our faith in him who gives us stability. And instead of allowing us to be tossed to and fro, he's going to give us stability in his word. When we see all around us falling, his word and faith in his word holds us up. When we see everything coming against us with a tone of destruction and his word gives us the victory saying, nothing can destroy me. God is my Savior, and he's my protector. He's my shield, my sword. He's my protector in every way. And the enemy cannot get through to me. He cannot bring me down. He cannot destroy me. He may touch me, but he won't destroy me. He will not bring me down. I will overcome by my faith in my Savior and my Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think if I were sitting out there, I'd be jumping up and down, waving my hands and shouting and praising God. (laughs) So the promises that God has made are immutable, eternal, undeniable, irresistible. The promises of God will stand no matter what else happens, God will be true to his word. Our faith tells us because God has said it, it's true. We are the victors now. We're on our way to a greater victory than ever. And ultimately, we will share the abundance of the Lord in his provisions of salvation forever. And we will walk in the victory of Jesus Christ forever. Hallelujah. Faith says it. Faith says it. Faith says it. Faith says it, faith says it, faith says it, yes, faith says it, and when faith says it, it is true, when faith says it, it's true, glory to God. It isn't what the world says or the devil says, it's what faith tells us, believing what God says, it is true, glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God. Okay, I got about ten of you that time, I'm going to get all of you before it's over. So I know that there are those of you because you shared it with me. I know that there are those of you struggling with, the, with, with believing that God has said something to you and it just hasn't happened yet. So I could put myself in that category. I've struggled with promises God has made to me, but I will tell you this. I came to a, a renewed conclusion a few weeks ago. renewed conclusion and that conclusion is God said it no matter what's going on with me or what I think or how weak I seem or whatever it may be no matter what I am attacked with in my mind to come against and to weaken my faith no matter what comes I know that what God says is true and what God says he will do And I know his word tells me that no word spoken by God will ever fail. And promises that God has made to you, he's going to keep. God's going to keep the promises he's made to you, just like he's going to keep the promises he's made to me. And I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it, and you're going to see it, because God never fails to keep His Word. God gives you a promise, and you can take that and count on it. The bank may not cash it, but the bank of glory will, and it's going to hold up eternally in the Word of God forever, because Jesus Christ does not fail. He does not fail. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He does not fail. Hallelujah. And so here it is. This is the decision I made. This is a decision I made by faith. I I, I I came to my place of trying to prepare this message yesterday. And I don't do it all on Saturday. But I kind of put it together on Saturday. And sometimes I put some final touches on it and make a few changes on Sunday morning even. But I spend all day Saturday. I try to spend all day Saturday before the Lord. I didn't go out of my house yesterday. I think I might have gone to the mailbox, but I didn't go anywhere out of my house yesterday. And every time I start to try to study and prepare this, I felt like the Lord saying it'd be better for you to pray. The best preparation is prayer. So I would leave my desk and I'd close close the door and start praying, crying out to God and think you got it. I will tell you this, friends, the more I prayed, the stronger I felt. The more I prayed, the more I believed. The more I prayed, the more my faith rose. The more I prayed, the brighter the light got. The more I prayed, the more certain I was that God is never going to fail to keep his word. That's the assurance of God put in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Our faith in him says we are going on the attack against the enemy. And in every battle we will prevail because God has made us more than conquerors in him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. More than conquerors in him. And so... The promises he has made stand. The promise stands. And I've made this decision. I'm going to stand on the promise. Hallelujah. I'm standing on the promise that cannot fail. Glory to God. And that promise that cannot fail is going to carry me all the way through to the victory of the Lord. And you too will go together into the total full victory that Jesus has for us in this church. Because God's going to do something so mighty here that it's going to be surprising and shocking to the world around us. I want you to put that down. I didn't plan to say that. I do feel like some time ago, not often long, a while back, uh, this is not something else I didn't plan to share. But I just made the statement, and if you were listening to me, I said God's going to do something that's, what did I say, surprising and shocking. That the world, all, that all around us are going to be shocked at what God's doing here. And, and, and I told about this one time before, but I didn't tell the whole thing. I told about being waking up in the early hours of the morning and God's Spirit just moving in a powerful way. This is, this is fairly recently, not, not a long, long time ago. And in that, in that, the Lord, I believe, put in my heart three things. And I talked about two of them, and I don't think I ever said what the third one was. But the third one was this, that the promise of the Lord is, I'm going to do something... So surprising that it will be shocking to people around. Now, and I wouldn't have told that this morning if I didn't kind of lose myself in the spirit of a while ago and went ahead and said it anyway. So uh, I'm going to take it that that was prophecy, and I'm just confirming to you right now that I'm standing by that prophecy. That we're going to see God do something that is so amazing, people will say it's shocking. I don't know what it is. I couldn't even explain it to you. If I were, uh, were, were were foolish enough to try, I couldn't explain it. I have no idea, but what I do know is this. When God speaks, He performs. When God declares, He does. When God says, He works. He doesn't just talk. He talks and says it, speaks it, says this is my word, and then what He says, He does. God will not fail to keep His word. Hallelujah. We're marching into a place of victory with God like we've never experienced before. And friend, I'm going to say some practical things to you right now about your faith. Another thing I didn't say, but I see I've got four extra minutes up there, so I'm going to use them. Your faith needs to be strengthened by the things that you can do to strengthen your faith. You, You need a time in God's Word. I need more time in God's Word. Not preparing sermons. I need more time in God's Word. Just reading God's Word letting Him speak to me. You need time in God's Word. If there's sin in your life, pass the word to a few folks that are not here. But i said this, and I hope they'll listen to the message on the Internet. If there's sin in your life, you need to get rid of that right now. You need to dispel all doubt and get rid of sin in your life right now, whatever it is. If it's carnal, if it's sexual... If it's lustful, if it's dishonesty, if it's disunity, disruption, whatever it is, wherever it is, you're a part of that. You need to get that out of your life. Get ready for God to move and do great things in the channels of your life that will bring you to greater victory than you've ever had. Get ready for that. That's the next thing to do. And then I'm going to say to you that God is going to move in the lives of of people who trust Him, but He's going to move in the lives of faithful people. I'm going to let you define faithfulness. I could define it for you and tell you exactly what it is, but I'm going to let you define that for yourself. Because if I define it for you, you say, well, that's just pastor talking. He's just trying to build up something. No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't push a whole lot of times. I don't insist that if you, I don't say if you don't come to Tuesday morning prayer, you're sinning, and missing God. I never say that. I don't even say if you don't come to church, you're missing God and so see, and I don't say things like that. I'm going to start saying things like that. Because I believe that rests with all those kinds of things, just like reading your word, praying, giving, giving, living forgiveness, all of that. If you don't do that, you can't, you have to know. If you don't do those things, you can't get anywhere with God. And if you're going to move toward God, that's what, that's what I'm preaching to you this morning, friend, is to move more and more and more in the presence and the victory and the power of God. That's what I'm saying right now. Let your faith bring you to that place. Let it make a change. Let it move you. Let it move you. Stop those things that you need to stop, and you know what they are. Start doing those things that you're not doing, and you know what they are. It's practical. We can do certain things. If you, you say, oh, I, I really want something to, to be different in my life. Well, then do something different in your life. Get up and do something different. Do the right thing. Stop doing the wrong thing. Make a commitment to Jesus Christ that you're going to live for Him and for His glory in obedience to His Word, Follow His Holy Spirit. Give it up. Give up what you need to give up and take on what you need to take on. It's time for us to get real. It's time for us to get down solidly real, folks, about what we're going to do serving God. Are we going to go all the way, or are we just going to play games with it? I know what you want to do. You want the results of going all the way, but you've got to pay that price. Well, I am so far off of what I plan to say this morning. (laughs) I'm not apologizing for it not apologizing, but I'm telling you the truth. And I'm saying that what we need to do is just what faith leads us to do. Get over it. Whatever it is that's between you and God, get over it. Just decide that whatever comes along, you're going to do what God wants you to do. You're going to do what the Spirit of the Lord wants you to do. Somebody says something to you that's offensive, just say, God bless you, brother. I know you didn't mean that. Or just keep your mouth shut it might even be better. Just go in and say, "Lord, help him and bless him." And if God's and you think God's dealing with you about something, I know you. You can say, "This is my last point." I promise. You think God's dealing with you about something, and you say, "Well, you know, Pastor, I, I really believe God's dealing with me about giving more." trying to get up to the tithe, but I think God's dealing with by giving more. And you know, I, I, Pastor, the other day I was praying, my, spending my five minutes of prayer, and the Lord started dealing with me. I really felt like I ought to pray more. I think the Lord's dealing with me. Or or, or, or you said something you shouldn't have said to somebody, you know you feel badly about it, and you, you say, well, I really, I really feel like I should go and apologize to them. I think the Lord's dealing with me. And, and, and I really, really did something. I picked up something the other day, and I I let my mind get into a, a place it never should have been. And I think the Lord's dealing with me. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to settle it for you this morning. I'm going to make it real, real clear for you. You think the Lord's dealing with you? He is! He is! He is telling you to get over it to stop it, to start it, to get where you ought to be with God and stand in the victory of the Lord. That's where he's saying to you. And yes, if you think God's dealing with you about it, I'll guarantee you he is dealing with you about it. You didn't just make that up. The only reason you care is because God's dealing with you and telling you to do what's right and give up that which's wrong and walk in the power of the victory of the Lord where faith can bring us into the ultimate conclusion that victory belongs to every child of God. Hallelujah. Stand up with me, please. Everybody stand up right now, quick as you can.